Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's a definite turnaround and a different feel to the marketplace, what we're seeing today than what we saw yesterday. Obviously, coming off of the WASDE report, a chance to digest all that information that came out yesterday afternoon. So return of the emotions to the markets of yesterday. What has our markets done today to try to readjust and and rethink the process now let's not even forget the fact that wheat has had their own struggle as well as things get tighter and more issues happening in russia that we're going to talk weather um some usda numbers compared to what stonex has had so a lot of things we're going to cover during today's episode as arlen suderman joins us he is with stonex so arlen we did have the wasty report yesterday you saw corn go absolutely crazy beans did the same pull back our emotions a little bit today and try to regroup and move forward? Yeah, the, the biggest number in that entire report, and there were several significant numbers, but the biggest one was what USDA did with its final, I say final, we know how USDA comes back and back adjusts things, uh, corn yield for this past 172 bushels per acre. That's down 3.8 bushels. Uh, that is the biggest adjustment from November, the last time it made a survey of production uh, in the, of the U.S. crops. That's the biggest adjustment by far uh, in the modern era. The previous biggest, largest change was two and a half bushels uh, a couple of years ago. So that is a huge change. Now, you think that on November, in November, when USDA was surveying for that production estimate, more than 90% of the corn crop had already been harvested, was in the bin, so farmers and commercials knew how many bushels were there. The other 10%, well, less than 10%, actually, that was still in the field was very mature for the most part, and so could easily be sampled. So you would have thought that USDA would have been pretty close in its estimate uh, to where production came in, to where final production was. And so that's the biggest reason, I think, that we're surprised. Until yesterday, this is all about soybeans. Soybean stocks were tight. Soybeans had a story. Corn and wheat had a potential story that might develop over the next few months, but neither had a story of their own. Suddenly, they have a story. And uh, we can talk about wheat in a little bit, but corn's story was suddenly stocks are tight. Not tight enough to worry about needing to ration demand necessarily, but the market is also assuming that we're going to have short crops in South America. We won't know that for two to three months yet. Um, So while that may be likely or some sense of probability, a sense that the odds are good that'll happen, we don't know that for sure. But suddenly the margin for error was much smaller for corn, and suddenly corn has to worry about not losing acres to soybeans, being able to hang on to acres and competing with soybeans. So everything went up yesterday, and today it's a kind of, okay, pull back from the emotions of yesterday. We got to this point with, yes, corn and soybeans both going up, but there were a lot of traders who had bought soybeans and shorted it against corn. So I had 
uh, long soybean short corn spreads on that in this day of consolidation, they wanted to unwind those spreads. So that put some pressure on soybeans, a little bit of a pullback and retracement soybeans, nothing significant, and but it helped pull corn up to new highs once again. So you talk about that, and, and we talked about it briefly yesterday. It seems way too early in the game to be talking corn versus bean acres. But yesterday did put that little bit of a, a panic concern in place. Yeah, I really did. Kind of the sense um, coming into the report was uh, soybeans probably not 7 million acres, but we had about 8 million acres of prevent plant. Like soybeans can absorb those and corn can hang on to the acres they had. Everyone should be happy over the next year. Sudden stocks getting tighter. Soybeans probably need more acres than 6 or 7 million and need to pull away from corn, but now corn is in a position where it can't afford to give up those acres, particularly with some increased questions about the upcoming growing season. Now, I'm one who generally tends to laugh off uh, predictions of summertime drought in the Midwest in January because there's a lot of people out there who have accurately predicted 15 out of the last three droughts. Um, you know, the confidence is this low. But suddenly, with stocks so low, it does matter, and we do need to respect the fact that over the last week, three major respected models have come out looking long-term, suggesting a hot, dry Midwest this summer. Wet spring, dry summer. Uh, will that happen? I don't know. Um, there are other models that disagree, but when stocks are this tight, suddenly you got to pay attention to that. you got to respect that possibility, particularly with ongoing risks in South America. Well, since you brought up South America, let's look at that, the weather pattern. Could we see uh, a little switch up come the end of this month? Yeah, what we're seeing is La Nina, which was broad-based in the equatorial Pacific before, is becoming more westerly focused right now. Uh, in the eastern Pacific, starting to warm up a little bit. So we're seeing some change in the atmospheric signals and how it's responding to them. And it looks like we might have at least a temporary flip in the pattern where dry areas of Argentina could see some significant rains as we get into the last days of this month into the early part of February. But we could see Mato Grosso, Mato Grosso de Sul, some of those areas of central and northern soybean belt in Brazil turn very dry, which would help harvest of the mature soybeans would hurt the final pod fill of those later soybeans and create some problems with early safrina corn planting. All right, well, stick around, folks. We're going to continue this conversation. We'll talk about what's been happening with wheat story, and we know there's a lot of ties back to Russia on that. More is coming up as we continue on the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we are continuing our conversation with Arlen Sudeman. Arlen is with Stonex and we were talking what's been going on in the grains. And I know that this is a story that just continues to grow and evolve as, as there are some concerns coming out of Russia. And I saw that they were talking about some more export uh, taxes coming in. What are you seeing, Arlen, and how is that making for such a big story for the wheat complex? Well, the market kind of yawned and, and said, okay, let's pay attention, but didn't get too excited when Russia announced that they were going to put a 
uh, a 20 euro per ton tax on wheat exports from February 15th through the end of the marketing year to try to bring down food inflation. Uh, it did get it. Prices did start adjusting right away, but uh, we really didn't think it was going to have that big of an impact on total volume shipped, maybe support prices. But then rumors started coming out a few days ago that it simply wasn't bringing down domestic prices, that farmers were, you know, the exporters were trying to make the farmers pay for the extra tax, so lowering their bids, so the farmers just refused to sell, so they had to raise their bids to the farmers to get the wheat to move. That helped keep prices high, and so Russia comes out now and says, at first it was rumored they were going to double the tax to 50 euros, but uh, the word came out today, it looks like it's going to be 45 euros so adding another 20 euros per ton to it. And so suddenly uh, we're seeing Russia do what it can to shut down exports or to severely limit those exports. They're doing so at a time when supplies in Europe are getting tight. And what that means then is buyers have to find other sources for that wheat, and that's good for the U.S. export market. Now, we're seeing all this fire in the market that really came out yesterday as this happened before the USDA crop report. We haven't even factored in a potential short crop in the black adverse having over the last four, three or four months. Uh, or in the U.S. Plains where it's been very dry. That's a factor to be, you know, traded here in the next month or so. Um, so the wheat market suddenly has a story as well. We just don't know the scope of that story, kind of like corn. So you look at that and, and everything that's been happening. I wanted to kind of look at Russia. How bad or do we know how bad it is right now for them? And is there going to be uh, a food shortage for them, which might actually open up some possibilities for U.S.? Well, that's a possibility. Um, but like in the U.S. Plains, we can have a very dry fall and, uh, and, and dry winter um, and just have a wheat crop that doesn't look very good at all. And suddenly the rains come in the spring and, and uh, wheat just takes off and starts growing and you get a good crop. We've all heard the expression, plant the dust and the bins will bust. It doesn't happen every time, but that does sometimes happen. It's very similar in Russia, except their winters are harsher than what our winters are. So it does increase the risk of winter kill from harsh cold temperatures during the winter. And, and they're going to be experiencing that here over the next couple of weeks in very cold temperatures, even reaching into U Ukraine where they lack snow cover, but the crop is generally in better condition, but it's going to be cold enough that there could be some damage. So the risk is there. We just don't know how it's going to play out and generally don't know until the crop breaks dormancy. Over to the livestock side of the trade. Uh, obviously, we talked to the higher prices that we saw in the corn, makes for some higher prices in the feed. How do you see that affecting this cattle market in the near-term near future? Yeah, it's interesting to watch yesterday as corn prices shot up to 25-cent daily limit. We saw feeder cattle come under pressure. Uh, but... Even there, they kind of came off of their lows and, and, and they kind of recovered. And then today, when corn prices were still higher, um, they did make, feeder cattle did make new lows initially, but then rallied back. We found some bargain hunters come in there. Uh, the, the live cattle futures uh, performed pretty well and I think helped to minimize the losses in the feeder cattle yesterday. Um, but yet those losses were kind of less than we expected and kind of helped support it. And even today, 
Uh, they initially went lower and then kind of found some support and kind of firmed through the day with just very light losses at the end of the day. Mostly disappointment in the cash cattle trade this week that we've seen so far, particularly in the northern belt, I think is around 173 on a dress basis. The hog market reacted higher, trying to keep up with the higher feed costs yesterday, but today responding to the bearish adjustments in there. Uh, and for both cattle and hogs with the higher production, but yet lower export expectations here in 2021. Are we going to see that pullback continue into a Thursday trade? Uh, very possibly. I think probably going to see more consolidation, and, and particularly with the cattle, see where we see the rest of the cash cattle trade open up. All right, lots of great information, Arlen. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Over on our site at uh, stonex.com or over on Twitter at uh, at my handle is Arlen A R L A N F is in Frank F is in Frank one zero one. Thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. Just a reminder: commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids, all the local Fontenelle dealers. And you can check this out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.